Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, I'll begin reading at verse 46. And Jesus said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came about that while he was blessing them, he parted from them, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. In our recent sermons, we've been looking at the heart of Jesus Christ toward us now that he has been exalted to his throne of glory in heaven and we are still upon this world. What is the mind of Jesus? What is the heart disposition of the Lord Jesus as he is now ascended back to his heavenly father? Oftentimes it happens when men on earth are exalted to high positions that they forget those whom they once knew and they leave them behind. And we might wonder, has this happened to our Lord Jesus because he is exalted into the glory and majesty of heaven, because he is in that world of holiness and happiness above? Perhaps he has forgotten us here below as we must pass through this world with so many sins and struggles within and without. But it is not so with Jesus. And he is always mindful of us from his throne. His heart is always one of love, affection, and care for us. He sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven this morning, and he has a heart of continuing love and affection for us. We have seen this in different ways in John's Gospel in the Upper Room Discourse where he anticipates his return to his Father and he speaks so many promises to his disciples. And then we saw it as well after his resurrection when he spoke to his brethren and said, Peace be with you. And so we continue to answer this question This morning, this most important question, it should be a very important question to us here as those who believe in the Lord Jesus, it should be important to us. What is the heart of Jesus now that he is in heaven and we still are upon the earth? And we find once again an answer to this question in the ascension of Jesus as Luke records it here in verse fifty down through verse 53. We read this morning Acts chapter 1, in which Luke, that was, is often called his second book in Luke chapter 1, Luke records again the ascension of Jesus Christ. 
And what he seems to do is here at the end of his gospel give us a very short version of his ascension. And then as he begins his second book, he returns to the subject and he gives more details concerning the ascension of Christ. A very fitting end to Luke's gospel here because everything by which Luke began his gospel, it all comes to its conclusion and to its fulfillment here at the end of his gospel. In the beginning of his gospel, there was this anticipation and there were supernatural powers and there was joy surrounding the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The angels came from heaven and they announced his birth. And now the angels come and they accompany him as he is ascended back up into heaven. The angels announce great joy at his birth. Good news of a great joy, they said, for all the people. And now that joy is realized in his disciples as they return to Jerusalem with great joy. The angels announce glory to God in the highest and peace among men with whom he is well pleased. And there was surely now glory to God as the Son of God is ascended into heaven to be glorified. And there is peace as he speaks peace be with you to his disciples. The angel Gabriel had announced to Mary in Luke chapter 1 that the child who would be born to her would have a glorious throne and everlasting kingdom. Gabriel said he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. And this is what is taking place here as he ascends back up into heaven. He is taking his throne. He will be very great upon his throne and he will rule over his kingdom forever. So the beginning of Luke's gospel now comes to its fulfillment, its realization in the ascension of Jesus Christ. He has appeared to his disciples on many occasions. Over the 40 days between his resurrection and now his ascension, he rose from the dead with a body that was imperishable and full of power, but it was a body that was recognizable to all of his disciples because he desired them to know that the body in which he had lived upon earth that they had known and the body that he had, in which he had died upon the cross, it was now the same body that, was being, that had been raised from the dead and was now ascending back into heaven. The resurrection was the first step of his exaltation. Resurrection now had to be followed by the ascension as he was to pass through the heavens into the world above and in his glorified humanity he would enter into the majestic presence of God the Father and the Father would say, sit at my right hand until I have make you, made your enemies a footstool for your feet. We should understand something of the great significance of the ascension. It is one thing to be raised from the dead. It is another thing to ascend back up into heaven, into glory and power. 
People have been raised. People had been raised. Many people had been raised in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. There had been resurrections, but all of those who had been raised, they all died. Lazarus had been raised, but Lazarus had died. So we could ask, what is the real benefit? What is the lasting good of a resurrection if it is only followed by death again? It is not a conquering of death. It is only a postponement of death and its power. But this is the significance of the ascension of Jesus. Because in his ascension, he has proven that he has conquered the power of death. And death can no longer rule over him. He is alive forevermore at the right hand of God the Father. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 16. The writer of the book of Hebrews speaks of Jesus as a high priest. And he says of this, this of him, that he, was a, he is a high priest according to the power of an indestructible life. That's what Jesus was raised from the dead into. And that's how he stood before his disciples on this occasion. And that's how he ascended back into heaven with the power of an indestructible life. He always lives to make intercession for his people. His resurrection was followed by an ascension and a glorification in heaven. Peter ties these things together in the book of Acts, chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost. He says of his death and resurrection, he put an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held by its power. And then he spoke of his exaltation, having been exalted to the right hand of God. The ascension is the proof that Jesus has conquered the powers of death and he is alive and death can never touch him. Again, as Christians, we often emphasize different parts of the work of Jesus. We marvel at the incarnation of the Son of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We often remember his resurrection. We often remember his, his death, his sufferings upon the cross. But do we remember his ascension as we should because his ascension is just as much a wonderful work of God for our salvation. It is the entrance into his glory and honor and power in heaven, his rule as the great savior. He becomes prophet, priest and king on his throne of glory in heaven. So as we look at the ascension of Jesus this morning, what we are remembering and trying to see here is the heart of Jesus as he ascends back up into heaven. The heart of Jesus as he ascends back up into heaven because the heart of Jesus as we see him ascending is surely the heart that he will have once he takes his seat at the right hand of God the Father. And that's what we're looking at here this morning. The first thing we consider is the majestic manner of his ascension. 
Luke begins in verse 50, and he says that he led them out as far as Bethany. Bethany was a small village just outside the city of Jerusalem. It bordered on the Mount of Olives. It was the home of Mary and Martha and her brother Lazarus, whom we know Jesus loved, all three of them. It seems that Jesus chose Bethany as the place of his ascension because out of his love for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he desired that to be the place where he would ascend to his glory, and he, he loved them so much that he desired to see them one more time than that they might see his ascension, and more than likely they were here with him on this occasion. Luke says here that he led them out, which means he brought them out from the city of Jerusalem where they had been staying as far as Bethany. Luke tells us now what, what happened when they arrived at the place where Jesus had chosen the second half of verse 50, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Two things here. First, something that they could see with their eyes. He lifted up his hands. And then second, something that they would hear with their ears. He began to bless them. He began to speak his blessings upon them. The two were together. The lifting up of his hands was the symbol of his blessings that he was bestowing upon them. It seems that when they came to the place where he was to ascend from Acts chapter 1, Luke tells us he gave them some parting words of instruction. And then there was a silence, there was a hush that fell over the disciples and Jesus lifted up his hands and he began to declare blessings upon them. The same hands that he had shown them Numerous times since his resurrection, on the first evening, he said to his disciples, he showed them, John tells us, both his hands and his side. And then eight days later, he said to Thomas, reach here your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side and be not unbelieving, but be believing. If we look back to verse 38 and 39 of this chapter, we see here, and he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, his wounded hands, and that it is I myself touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So, in verse 50, Jesus lifted up his hands, the hands that had the nails driven through them. The hands by which he had hung upon the cross in a crucifixion. Those wounded hands, he now showed them. He lifted them up and then he began to bless them. This act of blessing, lifting up the hands and blessing them, would have reminded them of the work of the high priest in the Old Testament on the Day of Atonement. The high priest would enter into the holy place of the temple. He would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And then after the sacrifice, he would come out and he would lift up his hands and pronounce blessings upon the people. That's what we read of in Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 22. Then Aaron 
lifted his hands, lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he stepped down after making the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering. So the sacrifice was made first, then the high priest lifted up his hands and blessed them. And that's what Jesus is doing here as the fulfillment of all the work of the great high priest. His sacrifice has been made upon the cross. Once and for all, human sin has been dealt with. And now he lifts up his hands and he blesses them. The hands that were wounded to show them that His sacrifice was not with the blood of bulls and goats like the old covenant priests, but his sacrifice was with his own blood. And he pronounced blessings that no priest, human priest, could ever pronounce. And the blessings of the new covenant. This is what happens here in verse 50. He led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. Then Luke continues in verse 51, and he says, And it came about that while he was blessing them, he parted from them. Now, if you have, as I have, the old or the original New American Standard Bible, which was printed in 1977, your verse ends there, and then you should see a footnote that says, and he was carried up into heaven. Now, if you have any other Bible, such as any of the King James Bibles, the English Standard Version, the NIV, or if you have one of the old, one of the newer New American Standard Bibles, 1995, 2000, what you see is that that phrase is inserted into the verse itself. It's not a footnote. It's only a footnote in the 1977 NASB. So it should be in the verse itself, I believe. And so verse 51, the whole verse should read. And it came about that while he was blessing them, he parted from them. And then he was carried up into heaven. At the end of verse 50, Jesus lifted up his hands toward his disciples And with his hands stretched out over them, he began to pronounce blessings upon them. And now in verse 51, Luke tells us what happened next. And the idea was that as his hands were still stretched out over them, and he was still declaring his blessings upon them, it was at that time that he began to be lifted up. And as he began to be lifted up, he continued to pronounce his blessings upon them. And then as he was raised up from the earth in this supernatural act of God, and the ascension began now, and the ascension of Christ continued. And as he is being lifted up from the earth, his hands continue to be outstretched, and he continues to pronounce his blessings upon them. All the while he is ascending, he is still declaring blessings down upon his disciples. As if he could not cease from declaring his blessings. To show us that this is what he would continue to do as he reached 
the glory of heaven. He would still be the great high priest with his blessings descending down upon us. So the last view of Jesus, the last sight that men have of Jesus as he is taken up from them is that his hands are stretched out toward his disciples and his blessings continue to be pronounced upon them. It was an ascension in the very act of blessing. It was an ascension of blessing. He ascended, still sending blessings down. And it was no mistake that it was this way. No mistake that he departed this way from this world because this is what he desired our last sight of him to be, that we might be assured that we might be most assured and confident that this is how he will continue now that he takes his seat at the right hand of God the Father. He came into this world to bring these blessings. He came in love. He is the friend of sinners. And he would have us to know that this is how he will continue to be even now in his exaltation Jesus knew well the failures, the sins of these disciples that were with him on this occasion. Their weaknesses, especially in the recent days, their abandonment, their denial of him in the case of Peter. He knew their misunderstandings. He knew their errors that were in their minds. And he knew often even sometimes how, how hard their hearts really were. But none of this, none of this could prevent his blessings from being declared upon them. This is how he would leave the world because he had loved them from the beginning and he would love them to the end. And so Jesus ascends and he pronounces his blessing upon them. This is what Luke is telling us here, verse 51. And it came about that while he was blessing them, while he was still blessing them, he departed from them and was carried up into heaven. A most majestic scene of the ascension of our Lord Jesus. A glorious sight to behold. Slowly, visibly, he was lifted up from before their eyes until he disappeared into heaven. Not with the violence and the tumult of a whirlwind and the speed of horses and chariots sent down from heaven as the ascension of Elijah. But he rose gradually in this most wonderful, magnificent departure. He is calmly raised up from the earth and higher and higher he ascends while the disciples look on. And as we said in Luke chapter 1, Luke tells us that he was, that while they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud received him out of their sight. There was a cloud that came. And that cloud, the cloud, the Shekinah cloud of glory, is a symbol of God's presence in the scriptures. It was the cloud of glory that led the people of Israel through their wilderness wanderings. 
It was the cloud that came into the tabernacle when it was built. It was the cloud that filled the holy place of Solomon's temple at the dedication. It was the symbol of God's presence. And now this cloud has come as the symbol of where Jesus is now to ascend. The cloud came from heaven and the cloud now will carry him back into heaven with the angels. It is the symbol of the world to which he is now ascending. We see at the end of verse 51 that Luke tells us he was blessing them and he parted from them. I'm sorry, we see at the end of verse 50, at the end of verse 50, that he lifted up his hands and blessed them. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And then in verse 51, it would have been easy for Luke to say simply, and he departed from them and was carried up into heaven. And to say nothing more of his blessing because he had already said that he had blessed them in verse 50. But Luke cannot simply say that he blessed them one time because it was his blessing that was the most astonishing thing for the apostles who saw this take place. His ascension was amazing, but his blessings that he pronounced, Luke cannot simply say it once. He must say it twice because this is what is central here. And it came about that he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And then he was blessing them even further as he departed out of heaven. This is how they had come to know him as the great Savior. And this is how he would continue in heaven for all of his people. It was a tender, a revelation of the tender, loving, and patient heart of Jesus and his great compassion. Luke cannot but repeat it again. And it came about that while he was blessing them, he departed from them. During the 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, Jesus had always, in all of those different occasions, appeared, suddenly appeared, and then suddenly he disappeared and vanished. That's how he had left his disciples on each of those previous occasions. But here he does not vanish quickly. Here he is lifted up and he slowly ascends back into heaven. The cloud receives him and takes him, carries him up into heaven. And the whole scene was to give them a clear indication that this was his final departure. They would never see him again In this present world, he is gone. He has now ascended. I go to the Father, he says. Now it is fulfilled. He ascends to his heavenly Father. So we see here, the first thing we see is the majestic manner of his ascension. The second thing we want to see this morning is the blessings of Christ's ascension. What are the blessings that Jesus pronounces here upon his disciples? They were surely the blessings of the gospel. And these blessings were not just for these disciples here, but these blessings are for all believers in all time. He ascends to his throne 
He will be the great prophet now of his church from his throne in heaven. And he will have the power to speak his word from heaven. And give new life and he will have the power to send his word to all the nations for their salvation. He will be the great high priest in heaven who will intercede for his people always living there for our intercession. And he will be the great king who will guide his people, defend them, provide for them. All of these things, the great prophet, priest, and king, he now ascends and prophet, priest, and king of his church. He is now a great blessing to all believers. Back long ago in the book of Genesis chapter 12, Back in the very beginning, in the time of the patriarchs, God pronounced great blessings to Abraham. And he said to Abraham, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And now that promise is being fulfilled because Christ has come and he has merited all these blessings for all the families of the earth by his blood and righteousness These blessings belong to him. And now he begins to send them to all the nations. That old promise is now being fulfilled. And so we must spend a few moments considering some of the blessings that belong to every believer in our Lord Jesus Christ. There is the blessing of the forgiveness of all of our sins. The pardon, the free pardon given to us. We cannot underestimate how great that blessing is because our sins, the sins of one day, the sins of one moment would bring such eternal destruction upon us, everlasting ruin. But there is a pardon pronounced upon us so that our sins are remembered no more in heaven. And our sins, if we are believers, they have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. There is forgiveness of all of our sins. There is a cleansing, a washing, because we have such defilement by our sins. But the Bible speaks of that believers, we have washed our robes in the blood of the Lamb so that we can stand in the presence of God. There is a washing that has purified us, cleansed us from all of our sin. The fountain has been opened for sin and impurity. And we may go for cleansing to the blood of Jesus. There is his righteousness that is given to us by which we stand with robes of righteousness The law has been fulfilled in Christ for us. There is the gift of the Holy Spirit and all the works of the Holy Spirit in us. There is new life that the Holy Spirit gives. The Holy Spirit gives a new birth. The Holy Spirit gives a new mind. The Holy Spirit begins a work in us that is so astonishing that the Apostle Paul can say that we are new creations in Christ Jesus and the old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come and all of these things are from God. There is the blessing of sanctification in which we are set apart for God's service and we are progressively made more holy and prepared for the world to come. Sanctification begins to work in us. There is a blessing 
of illumination in the word of God and the truth of the word in this dark and sinful world. There is the great blessing that for us, for us, Satan's power and his kingdom over us has been conquered by Christ. He is the ruler of this world still. He is the prince of the power of the air. He still rules. John says this whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And he holds men in captivity and bondage in that kingdom. But here is the blessing for us. We have been rescued out of that domain of darkness. We have been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. The son of God has rescued us out of that darkness. John said the devil has sinned from the beginning. And he also said the son of God has appeared for this purpose. That he might destroy the works of the devil. The great promise in the Garden of Eden has now been fulfilled in us who believe. There is the great blessing of freedom from the power, the ruling power of sin over us. That we do not need to walk any longer in our old ways of sin, but we may walk in the new ways of Christ and his word and his gospel. We have all been slaves of sin at one time. Before we were saved, that's what we were. We were the slaves of sin. But Paul says that our old man has been crucified so that we should no longer be slaves of sin. We who have died to sin's power, we are free from sin's power. Sin no longer needs to have dominion over us. Thanks be to God that though we were slaves of sin, we have been set free. That's an amazing blessing upon us who believe. So Jesus lifts up his hands here with these blessings. He is ascending up into heaven. His hands stretched out. His hands are open. Wounded, but open, full of abundant blessings. He stretches them out and he pronounces them upon his disciples. He is not here praying for these blessings. He is commanding them. He is not asking the Father if it would be possible to give these blessings he will intercede, yes, but he is not asking here because these blessings belong to him. He has purchased them. They are his and he gives them to his people. And how freely he bestows these blessings. They are powerful. They are effectual blessings. His pierced hands stretched out so full of blessings his nail-pierced hands as if to show them and declare to them that this is how these blessings were so freely and abundantly purchased for you. Oh, there are so many other blessings, and we can only mention a few this morning. There is the hope of eternal life. Men live all their lives in the fear of death. 
that dark cloud of death hovering over them, and they do not know what will happen. But for us, we have been set free from that fear of death, and Jesus promises us that he who believes in me, he shall live even if he dies. There is the blessing of comfort and peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit. There is the blessed hope of the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. When he returns from heaven, we shall see him as he is. There is a resurrection, the power, the God, the, the power, the, the a body of power, glory, honor, we will be raised in at the resurrection. There is the crown of righteousness that the Lord will give to all who love his appearing. Paul tries to sum it up in certain places. He says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30, he says, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, in union with him, who has become to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. All of these things to the Corinthians. And then what does he say to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6? He says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the spirit of our God. Imagine this, imagine this. Jesus is pronouncing blessings that will go to all the nations, even to the Corinthians. Even to the Corinthians, they will receive the blessings of Christ in the gospel. We might think the Son of God has been put to death just days before. And we might imagine the Father and the Son would say to themselves, it is enough. We can take no more of the wickedness of that world. We see how great their evil is that the Son of God came into the world and they put him to death upon the cross. We must be done with this world and burn it with fire. But it was all God's plan to purchase the blessings that Christ here pronounces upon us. We're going to turn to the book of Ephesians for just a moment. The book of Ephesians as we close our sermon this morning. And we'll scan some blessings that Jesus pronounces upon his people as quickly as we can. When we turn to the book of Ephesians, we read in the opening verses, verse 3. Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. So Paul gives praise to the Father for sending his beloved Son, and he says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing that comes down from the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, which means by our union with him by faith. And then he goes on. He's telling us now what these blessings are as he goes on. In the following verses, in verse 4, he speaks of God's eternal election, that he chose us in him, in union with him before the foundation of the world. 
In verse 5, he speaks of our being predestined to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Down in verse 7, he says that in him, in Christ, we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Down in verse 11, he speaks of our eternal inheritance that we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. Down at the end of verse 13, he says, he speaks of the gift of the Holy Spirit that we have been sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit a promise who is a pledge, a guarantee of our inheritance, which is to come. If we look down in verse 18, he speaks of the illumination of our minds by the Spirit. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know all the glorious things of the gospel. At the end of verse 17, that he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is one of the great blessings of the gospel, that the Holy Spirit comes and teaches us the truth of the word of God. Why? Where are all these blessings coming from? The answer is given in verse 20, where it says that God has brought them about in Christ when he raised him up from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. These are the blessings that he continues to send down from the right hand of God, from the highest place in heaven, down upon his church. The blessings of his ascension and glory. And then we see in chapter 2, in verse 1, he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In verse 5, Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that's what our union with Christ has done for us. He was raised up. He was ascended to the highest place of heaven. And we are seen by God as being in him, stationed with him in the heavenly places. We turn over to, well, if we look down to verse 18 of this chapter, he speaks of through him, through Christ, we both, Jew and Gentile, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So here we have another blessing that the throne of God is open for us for prayer that we may come and cast all of our anxieties upon him. We see in chapter 3, at the end of verse 8, He speaks of the unfathomable riches of Christ. These are the blessings that belong to us in Christ. They are unfathomable, unsearchable riches of Christ. And then we see in verse 16, this one last blessing that I'll mention concerning the Holy Spirit, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. There is a very great blessing for us that Jesus gives to us the Holy Spirit for this purpose that he might strengthen us with power in our inner man in the struggles that we go through in this present life through his Holy Spirit. This is one of the great needs we have as Christians because we must walk with Christ in this world. We must make the right decisions in our life. We must not walk in the darkness. We must obey his word. And we can do nothing of ourselves, from ourselves, 
and left to ourselves, we would choose the wrong way to go. But he is able to give us the power of the Holy Spirit in our inner man to give us light, to give us understanding and strength that we might walk in his ways and be pleasing to him. So many blessings that Christ now continues to give to his people. And we stop here. We could go on and on. But they all show the great love of Jesus for us. That what he began there at Bethany when he ascended up into heaven as he declared his blessings upon his disciples, he now continues these blessings above. We may always have confidence in them. We will never lose them if we are believers. All these blessings, they belong to us in Christ and we must always go to him to make full use of them. He purchased them for us on the death of the cross. They belong to him. He freely gives them to us that we might be his faithful and obedient people. And these blessings that we speak of here this morning, these are the blessings that every man and woman in this world need needs the blessings of forgiveness the blessings of the cleansing of sin the blessing of a right relationship a new creation in Christ Jesus these are the blessings that you need and Jesus today the most astonishing thing is that he would stretch out his hands to you who do not know him and he would plead with you to come to come to him to be forgiven to come to him to have these blessings that he has purchased in his death upon the cross. They are freely given, and today is a day of salvation. But there is a very great danger that comes with the offer of his blessings. Because in the Bible, in the Bible, there are blessings or there are curses. The blessings are offered to you, and you may come to Jesus and freely take them, but if you do not receive them, if you do not receive them, if you are indifferent to the blessings of his gospel, he will not be indifferent to you. His curse will fall upon you eventually. He gives you life and breath and he gives you good things to enjoy now, but it will all come to an end. And then, if you do not receive these blessings, you will face the everlasting curse. He will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day for you to turn from your sins if you do not know Jesus and to come to him and to receive from him these blessings. And so, my friend, if you are not a Christian and you do not truly know Jesus here today, I would say to you, do not go home and forget what you have heard. And do not go home and do everything that you possibly can to suppress these things and pretend that they do not exist. Because they are as real as anything in this world. And you need his blessings, and they are freely offered to you. May the Lord have mercy, and may you come to him today. Let's pray.
Father and gracious God in heaven, O oh Lord, we look to you this, this morning, the great and mighty God and our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only Savior of sinners. We pray that you would bless your word to us, that you would encourage our hearts who do believe, that you would help us to remain under your blessings, and that you would have mercy upon any who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. May their eyes be opened. May their hearts be opened. And may they come to Jesus and find his great salvation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for such free and abundant blessings that you give to us. So unworthy are we all. And thank you for your great mercy. Hear us now and bless your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen.